Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at RiskWise.com. Assalamu alaikum, Risk Nation. This is Saeed. I uh, just wanted to introduce what we are about to do in this episode. What you're about to hear are three separate audio files that Ahmed and I put together uh, to form this episode. We were recently interviewed on a TV show, uh, which we'll explain about in a second. But the way the show works is we're about the middle segment of the show. So you'll hear the um, interviewer say, welcome back. Well, that's because we're the middle segment of the show. And they record two episodes of the show at the same time. So we were able to uh, record ourselves doing both interviews for two separate episodes of this TV show. So you'll hear kind of the same segment sounds like it's being repeated, uh, but it's because it's for the next week of the show. And in the very beginning, the first audio file that you're going to hear, the first part of this podcast, is actually the intro to this episode that Ahmed and I recorded just as we finished the interview and we were leaving the set. So, assalamu alaikum, Rizq Nation. This is Saeed. I'm standing here with my good friend Ahmed. Walaikum salam. I don't know what you're doing. But... Uh, um, so, we thought, I thought, uh, we'd give the listeners a little bit of context of what we're doing right now. Okay, all right. So, um, Ahmed and I are on set in um, downtown Toronto at a masjid that does a show on YouTube and on a cable. It's cable, right? Yep, cable television in Canada. It's called Vision TV. Yeah, they do a show called Quran Speaks. And uh, we're here. We just gave our interviews for that show, for their show. Uh, we might post it. Are we going to post it? I think we should, yeah. Because I, I have it recorded separately from them as well. But we'll send the link to the show. Let the, let's get the, the show some views too. Sure. They were kind of surprised by our mutual hate for each other. Yeah, well, I'm surprised too. But no, I think it was interesting. Um, I'm actually curious to hear what our listeners think about the interview. Right. Um, for me, at least, I you know, I, we've never really articulated what RiskWise was for a non-Muslim audience. Oh, yeah. That's and the right. audience of this show, it's on cable television, so it's called Let the Quran Speak. And they have a good number of, of, of Muslim viewers, but it's on TV, right? So they obviously get a lot of non-Muslim viewers. And on YouTube, you'll see in the comments that are not always favorable that they get a lot of, of, of non-Muslim viewers. I didn't see the comments. Is, um, it, is it bad? In some cases, it's pretty bad. There's a lot of lot of haters. Okay. Um, I guess but, that's to be, to be expected on YouTube. But it is definitely a dawah opportunity, right, that we're on cable television. We've got this YouTube show. Um, so for me, it was, you know, I've never really thought about how to articulate risk-wise for a non-Muslim audience. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how people will receive it. And I'm curious to hear what our, what our listeners think about the way we presented it. I told my daughter that I was going to be on TV and she didn't understand. Like, <laughs> she, Do you own a TV? She was like, no. <laughs> but she knows what it is, right? She's like, how are you going to you know, fit inside that thing? <laughs> oh, that's so adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, I think it went pretty well. These guys are very professional. They got all the equipment. I know Ahmed is salivating over their, their stuff. And... Yeah, the lighting. Yeah, I need to get some lights. Yeah. They got a whole team. It's a good operation. They're all you know young Muslims. Um, the, the host of the show, Dr. Shabir Ali, is somebody who's really well-known in Toronto. Right. Um, been very active in the Dawah. It's, it, the center is actually quite incredible. It's right in the middle of downtown Toronto yeah. um, in a very, you know, at one point economically depressed area. I think right. it's kind of on, on the way up now. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And Dr. Shabir set up this, this you know, massive Dawah center and, you're driving down Bloor Street, which is a major artery through downtown Toronto. And very all you famous see is, street. You know, Islamic Center and big, bold letters, yeah. right? It's very, very prominent. Yeah. Um, so they, they do a lot of incredible work here, and it's it's an honor to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I was very uh, happy to be invited and uh, very impressed with the crew. 
very impressed with the center. This is my first time actually here. Very impressed with the place. So, you know, I was thinking about it going into this that really everything we say on RiskWise is just as relevant to any faith group as it is to Muslims. Like, yeah. there's nothing really that we talk about that's just for Muslims. Right. It's it's applicable to anybody of of faith or even anybody with kind of like, you know, a strong ethical moral character. Absolutely. Right. And I hope that comes across, but. It's called, the show is called? Let the Quran Speak. And the YouTube channel, I believe, is Let the Quran Speak as well? Uh, it might be Quran Speaks. But oh, we'll, Quran we'll Speaks, it, yes, that's right. That is the YouTube channel. And you can uh, search RizkWise in there, in their videos, if you're in, from the future. Should we talk to Aisha and get her to say a few things about the interview? Put her on the spot? Yeah, hey, why not? So, Aisha, tables have turned, and I'm now asking the questions. What do you think about the show? Uh, be on the podcast, by the way. Oh yeah, I should have said that. This is for RiskWise listeners. He, he doesn't just carry a mic around for fun. He's like actually. This is for I actually do, but let's not let's not get into that. Okay, so this is for real right now. Yep. Okay. Um, it was great. I thought it was an excellent show. I'm really glad that you guys came on. And uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I know nothing about finances, and I have to say, I was actually scared to interview you guys. I told my siblings that I was like, I hope I don't sound crazy on air. Uh, we I didn't judge you on the show, did we? No, you didn't, but I was really scared because I am the last person to talk about finances. So uh, I was scared to interview you guys, and I like researched you guys and listened to a bunch of podcasts, so I knew what I no, was talking about. You weren't totally crazy, just no? a little just bit crazy. Like yeah. Okay. Well, at least I crazy, tried. Which is okay, good. good. Yeah. I tend to do that on air. <laughs> no, that's good. That's beneficial. We do too. So that's great. But yeah, thank you for having us on. Dr. Shabir's here. Can we get? <laughs> can we say salam to Dr. Shabir? This is Dr. Shabir Ali. As I mentioned before, he's you know really a pioneer in in the Muslim community here in Toronto. He's been doing this show for a long time, running the center for a long time. We all owe you know a huge debt of gratitude to Dr. Shabir for the great work he does. We're just recording this for our for our podcast. We're going to put this uh, on, on the show as well. So. Thank you for saying all these kind words. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala accept our work and forgive us our shortcomings. Inshallah. And Thank you very much for having us on the show and doing the show. From the beginning, I got to look at quite a few of the videos. They're uh, quite insightful. And thank you guys for coming and being on the show. I'm glad you're part of this. Alhamdulillah. Glad, glad to help out. Our pleasure. Assalamu alaikum. This is Saeed again. What you're about to hear is the first and second interviews for the Quran Speak. Uh, it'll be airing on February 13th and 20th, 2016 at 2.30 p.m. on Vision TV. Here's the first interview followed by the second interview. Here we go. So Saeed, Ahmed, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Very excited. Um, so we're talking about, I think we're talking about money today. So your organization or show rather, it's called RiskWise. And online when I did some, uh, you know, Google searches, it says your tagline is take control of your money. So how does a podcast show help people do that? I know it's um, kind of a strange tagline, take control of your money. I it mean, sounds very powerful. It assumes that you don't actually have control of your money right now, which is kind of strange. I mean, if you don't have control over your money, then who does? Um, but I think it's resonated with a lot of people, and we thought that it was interesting because most people, uh, when it comes to their finances, Muslim or not, this is not a specific thing to any religious group, uh, most people live their life on what we call unintentional autopilot, where we don't actually ha make conscious decisions about how we spend money. And in a, the first few shows we talk about, we give some illustrations as to why that is possible. I mean, uh, spending today, taking money out of your wallet is non-existent. Nobody actually goes into their wallet and pulls out bills anymore. It's just- Very rarely. Right, it's just a credit card tap. 
Now we're getting rid of credit cards and debit cards. We're just going to a phone because if you forget your wallet, nobody forgets their phone and you can pay using your phone alone. So spending is becoming so much easier. Uh, and we talk about Amazon and one click buy. You like something, you click one button and it's been purchased and it's on its way to your place. Literally one click. Um, spending is a lot easier and people are not making conscious decisions about what they really want out of life what they really want to be spending their money on. What do you guys what do you guys mean by not making conscious decisions? See, I, I think when we say take control of your money, what we're really saying is take control of your life. Right. Because the truth is, if you think about all the major decisions you make in life, right? Make a list, you know, where you go to school, what kind of job you get, where you live, your major, your major, etc., right? When you have kids, all these things. If you think about each of them, You'd be hard-pressed to find a single major life decision that does not involve money. I can guarantee you every single one of those decisions has a financial component. Right. And the problem is when you let the money you have or the money you earn or your relationship with money drive those decisions. Or the money that you have left after being pseudo-irresponsible with it. letting the money that you have left dictate what your life is going to be like, which is the, the majority for everybody. I mean, yeah. we can only make decisions based on how much we, we can afford to do something. And the word afford is a, a very, very interesting word. But taking control of your money is the first step that we talk about is defining what it is that's important to you, which most people don't do. What is it that actually motivates you, drives you, that you want to be doing your li- doing in your life? Um, that's not a question that's very often asked or answered you know, and, and like Ahmed was saying, you think about all the major decisions. When you leave school, enter into the first job, you get used to a paycheck, a certain stream of income comes in, a certain habit of spending starts, and then 40 years later, you wake up and you're 60. I mean, without ever coming out of that autopilot and taking a step back and saying, do I need to be spending my money on this? Really? So let me ask you guys from, you know, the brief conversation that we've had so far, it seems like this is not really, this is, uh, and I think Saeed, you actually mentioned that this is not something that's specific to Muslims. This is something I think that anybody can relate to, but you guys do promote yourselves as an, as a, as a show that's providing Muslims with smarter financial decisions. So what is, what is the, I guess the perspective here that you're bringing um, for the Muslim population? Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, when we started the show, the idea was really that there was nothing out there that spoke to the needs of Muslims, right? Saeed and I were both, well, we're still young Muslims, right, relatively. We all like Um, to think that. But we were younger (laughs) at one point, and and we went through a lot of the the questions that that arise to young Muslims, right? You, You go to school, you get a job, you start earning money, you get married, you have children. We've all been through, I mean, Saeed and I have been through those milestones, mm-hmm. and questions arise, right? Like what? Give us some examples for um, viewers who may not be Muslim and might be wondering. Well, I mean, these questions arise to everybody, right? Things like, how much do I need to save, right? How do I set a budget? How do I pay off my student loans? How do I make sure I don't have money on my credit card at the end of the month? How do I, if I, if I have $500 or $1,000 on my credit card that I'm not paying off at the end of every month, how do I do that? How do I get out of the cycle of debt and increasing debt? You know, it, sometimes people think that it's impossible to have credit card balances. Well, there are probably people who have never had them. But once you have a, a credit card balance you can't pay off at the end of one month, it's very easy to not pay it off at the end of the second month. It's even easier to pay it off, not pay it off at the end of the third month. And by then, it is now something you're accustomed to, always carrying a balance on your credit card at yeah. 30%. Yeah. And increasing how much is on that credit card. 
anybody who has emailed us and asked us questions, the vast majority of the questions that we've gotten have to do with debt. And of the debt subset of questions, it's, I have credit card debt. I'm going out of my mind. So you guys think in your experiences, that's been a gap in the Muslim community in terms of dealing with finances and how to deal with that in a, in a I guess, in a proper Wait. I, mean, I think it's a gap in every community, to be honest, right? And there's a broader conversation happening around financial literacy and how we don't teach kids in schools how to handle money, right. how to manage money, how to have a relationship with money, what to do with it. You don't learn that. I didn't learn that in school. You probably didn't learn it in school. No, None I of didn't. us did, right? Yeah. The only personal finance course that I have ever seen in any school setting has been at the MBA level. And that's an, it was an optional elective that I, is taught by uh, somebody that I know. And that's the first time that in an academic setting, people would be taught personal finance. And it's, it's, if someone even chooses to go that route, and, right? Right. An MBA and an elective within the MBA. So the probability of people actually attending that course is pretty low. So the vast majority of people, they will graduate school, whether it's high school, university, or college, start earning money and have no clue what to do with it. And that's one of the most common questions I get professionally is, what do I do with my money? It's that broad. So let's um, let's build a little bit on that. I know you guys on your website, you also have asked questions. So what kinds of questions do people um, email you guys with? I mean, all over the place, right? So we try to cover the broad spectrum right. of, of topics within the personal finance genre. So things like, you know, from the very beginning, right? And this is where our our conversation becomes more applied to the Muslim audience, right? Is why do we earn money? Why do we have money, right? What are we supposed to do with it? And from a, from a personal standpoint, your intention in earning and spending money goes a long way because we're taught by the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings upon him, that actions are judged by their intentions, right? So the very mundane task of earning and spending money on your family and paying your rent or for your housing and buying food, all of those things can be virtuous deeds that are actually counted as rewards with the right intention. So we start really from there, from the ground floor all the way to how do you save, how do you build a budget, the nuts and bolts of that, you know, the mechanics of that, because you can say have a budget, right? And it's important to budget, but how do you actually do it? We actually teach people how to do it. In a, in a way, and that's actually, I think, one of our uh, better episodes where we, um, Ahmed and I vehemently disagree with one another on the concept of budgeting, first and foremost, and then therefore how to do it. And it's a topic that uh, anybody in personal finance would say this is something that you need to do you need to be building a budget absolutely but nobody does it that's true it's, i mean i tried once and i give up on it it's tedious um it's boring um and if it doesn't change behavior then it's useless so we address that that the budget is just a mechanism to change behavior and if it's not changing behavior it's not changing spending habits why are we tracking it, it when we compare it to a fitbit that you know those watches that people have that uh, count their steps and how many calories they burn if you know, Fitbit's mo model is that you should be taking 10,000 steps a day. So if you're wearing that watch and you're still only taking 1,000 steps or less a day and you've worn it for three months and then you think, oh man, I've had this thing for three months, I haven't lost any weight. Well, what was it supposed to do yeah, for you? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, if you wear it for a few months and you realize that to get to 10,000, it's about an hour's worth of walking, hour, hour and a half worth of walking, and you've just created that as your habit, that you do it you know, in the afternoon as a little break from work, you do it in the morning, whatever, and you just create that habit that I know I need to spend an hour a day walking. And then three months later, you realize, well, I don't need this anymore because I've built the habit of walking 10,000 steps. Well, then the Fitbit has accomplished its goal, and a budget is like that. 
not everybody needs to keep a budget forever. But I think everybody needs to start knowing what their baseline spending is. That's where we'll agree. From that point, we just do whatever it requires. I think my recommendation is that you do whatever is required to change your behavior. And there's three different budgeting systems that we talk about on the show. Um, and depending on what your level of compliance, how you actually want to do this, because it's got to be it's got to be something you're going to do. If you're not going to, if we're going to tell you, to, yeah, if you're if you're going to build a 10-page spreadsheet that takes you 15 minutes a day to fill in, nobody's going to do that. So how successful are you guys finding risk-wise in terms of helping uh, people make smarter financial decisions? I'm I not sure how we really gauge question. or measure yeah. success, um, but I can tell you that we have a lot of listeners who seem to be benefiting from the show. And I think we gauge success by the amount of questions that we get um, from, from you know the, the type of people that are asking questions. I think what we're finding is that there's a lot of young Muslims who are really, really getting a lot out of the show. And, and I can see why, you know, if I was in their position at that age, um, you know, when you're really starting to form your relationship with money, you know, you're, you're, you just graduated, you got a job, maybe you have a young family, and this is really where you're forming that relationship, um, they're finding value in, in, in the show at that stage in their lives. Yeah, because it's the building blocks that everybody should know but doesn't. Um, and unfortunately, we don't know these things. It's not taught in school, so the earlier we get this into people's heads, the better. And uh, we, we decided on podcasting as the mechanism of delivery because it's a newer kind of media. Um, a lot of younger people are listening to podcasts as opposed to, um, you know, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> people watch TV Well, too. people watch our show. Yeah. So, you know. But, you know, the demographic <laughs> see, that we're yes. looking at, I mean, if, if we were creating a show that was for older people who are in their 60s plus, we wouldn't at all choose the methodology of podcasting at all. But it's interesting, I think, because, you know, for the for the average Muslim, but particularly young Muslim, right, it's like, you know, you have to do certain things in life, right? You, you have to you have to get a job. You've got to work. You've got to have a family. I mean, there's certain expectations, right? You don't have that to. You but, have to live up to. Yes. But these are certain <laughs> expectations. Right. And there and that path is pretty clear. Often it's dictated by societal standards, family expectations, whatever it may be. You know, you've got to do certain things and it looks a little bit different for every for, for individuals. And then at the same time, you have religious expectations, right? We know we hear on the membar, we hear on religious talks, we hear on shows like that the Quran speak that, you know, we have to live a simple life, that we have to preserve our wealth, that we have to give charity, we have to go for hajj, we have to do all these things, right? But how do you do all of it? Perfect. And if people want to go and sort of, you know, start uh, listening to your show, where can they check that, where can they check that out? Uh, on our website, riskwise, R-I-Z-Q, W-I-S-E dot com. Um, that's where you sign up to the emails. You'll be getting an email uh, once a week. Uh, that's our current publishing schedule from Ahmed, who is actually an, one of the few compliments I pay Ahmed is that he's actually very good at writing these emails that summarize the lessons very good, very well. Um, and if you're new to listening to the, the podcast, my recommendation would be if you subscribe to it on iTunes, uh, leave us a review. But if you subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app on Android or whatever, start from the oldest episodes and go forward in time from there because we did take some time in the first 20 episodes to uh, build a structure from understanding how money works to forming your personal intention in how you are going to handle money to developing goals and a goal system to budgeting to saving and all the way through. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll have you guys on next week to go more into one of your topics. So thanks so much. Thank Looking you. Forward to it. We'll take a break and when we come back, we'll answer questions from you, our viewers. Ahmed Saeed, welcome to the show. 
Great to be here. Glad to be back. Um, so we, we had you guys on last week mm-hmm. uh, to talk about RiskWise and your online podcast where you uh, you know help Muslims and I think the broader community as well make smarter financial decisions. Right. Today I'm really excited because we're going into a specific topic. Um, so I know you guys have quite a few segments on debt. So it's a very big term. Do you guys get a lot of questions on debt from your viewers? Absolutely. I think uh, by far, in a way, it is the biggest, most commonly asked question. Um, and sometimes we get very short questions, like that when people subscribe to our email list, the first uh, email that they receive ends with, what's your biggest financial problem? Uh, and sometimes the reply is OSAP or credit cards, and that's it. Uh, but sometimes we get paragraphs uh, from people who kind of detail out their whole life story and what led them to the position that they're in. And I'd say 90% is debt. Yeah. And of 90% the... of all of the questions you guys receive are related to debt. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So you would think that a, a personal finance uh, show website podcast would focus a lot on Islamic uh, investment vehicles, Islamic finance. We really don't touch on that very much at all. We made that conscious decision before we started, but then that was reinforced with the questions that we were receiving. Most of it was debt, and then most of the debt questions are credit cards and student loans, which matches our demographic. Mm-hmm. We do speak to a younger uh, population, probably under 35. And it's, it's not entirely surprising, because if you look at the average household debt in Canada, in the U.S., and really in most kind of Western democratic nations, it's through the roof, right? Yeah. The levels of debt that, that we, we're all experiencing um, at individual levels, household levels, and even at you know at a national level, right, is unprecedented. So well, there's also a reality show on TLC called I think Till about Death Mary. Do us part. Yes, there right. you go. So great I'm, show. You know, yeah. Gail is uh, very very brilliant in how she portrays the struggle that people have with money and in how you should combat that. In our um, budgeting series, we actually do talk about her methodology along with a couple others. But yeah, she's it's great. I think she's great. I think it's a great show. And it's doing good things. Yeah. I've bought her book for clients. Well, I think and the point I'm trying to highlight with that as well is it's just such a, yeah. like you guys said, it's such a big issue. Now, I know one question for you guys. So obviously your target audience is Muslims. Why is debt um, uh, in some ways more of an issue for Muslims? Yeah, I think there's a couple of really important reasons. First of all, the the topic of debt, if you look at the different uh sayings in the Quran and from the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings upon him, you'll find a very clear, um, uh, not prohibition when it comes to debt, but a warning against going into debt. And the reason for that is really, there's a few good reasons. One is that when you're indebted to man, you will be hindered on your path to God, right? So the idea is that, that human beings should only be indebted to God and only be in servitude towards him. But when you're indebted to man, that's a form of servitude, right? And the second reason is that being indebted to somebody means that you're in need of them, right? And we find this over and over again in the saying to the Prophet Muhammad is that earning money and earning a livelihood is important because you want to be free of the need of other people. In other words, financial independence, right? right? And debt is a form of dependence. And financial independence actually um, is the, the, the base upon which we talk about a lot of the things that we speak about because as Muslims whether we're talking about debt or other personal finance topics you know if you look at other personal finance um, experts out there online and there's a lot I mean this is a very well covered topic uh, in books uh, audio even other podcasts and TV shows as you mentioned um, one of the things that we bring to the table is that we're not here to try and teach people how to be rich 
we're not just here to pursue wealth and pursue unboundful, like limitless amounts of wealth and money and, you know, designer this and that. That's not the premise that we speak about when we say you need to be responsible with your money. It's not be responsible with your money so you can ball out of control, right? That's not our premise. It's be responsible with your money so that you don't have to be dependent upon people, upon others, whether they're people that you're indebted to, whether it's your parents because you, you know, you're, you're unable to, to provide yourself, whether you're dependent upon your kids in your old age, uh, which, you know, it, it, part of our religion is to take care of our parents, absolutely. But I, I've never met in my professional career an older individual, 60 plus, who has told me I am very happy to be dependent on my kids. They don't want to be. Nobody wants to be. If you end up being, that's not fair. But because, you know, immigrants have a very big struggle of setting themselves up. But nobody plans on that. Nobody desires that. So being free of the dependence of others is a big part of you know, what we do as personal finance because it's a big part of the motivation for Muslims to be good with their money. So why is it so easy for people um, to get into debt? And I'm thinking, you know, credit card is one thing that comes to mind. Why is it so easy and so common, you guys think, especially nowadays? Because the entire system is engineered to get you into debt. Yes. Right. We have, uh, you know. Now that that sounds a little conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> well, it sounds out. very intense. And it's not a, it's not a theory, nor is it a conspiracy, right? Yeah. Is that you know we live in Canada, uh, in Toronto, where the Toronto Stock Exchange is about fifty percent financial services, fifty percent or so. Uh, I think that's a bit high. I think yeah, I think it's a little bit high. At least forty percent. Uh, I think it's just under 40. We have a lot of resources and materials. Right. But the financial free. services industry Huge. is a, a, a major driving force in our economy. Right? We've got the big banks, and what are they pushing? They're pushing credit cards. They're pushing lines of credit. They're pushing all these forms of debt. Right? I mean, as a business, they're trying to make profit, right? So how does a bank earn profit? Well, they take in deposits and they give out loans. But that's kind of boring. Like if you only had one line of credit that you you had and you had one bank account, it's very easy as an individual to just, okay, I have one line of credit, I have one bank account, I can manage those two very easily. But um, there's a drive in the financial industry to just have everybody to have multiple accounts. Everybody should have three credit cards. Everybody should have a savings account or three savings accounts, checking accounts, multiple checking accounts, joint checking accounts. Uh, multiple lines of credit, secured, unsecured, mortgages, just lots and lots and lots of different accounts to make it kind of difficult for you to manage. But, you know, that, that's just a business driving force. How can we make more money per customer? But what's more um, insidious from an individual's level, from you and I, like we can talk about the system yeah. and rail against the machine. Um, I, I tend personally not to go there because I think that there are things that we do that are bad for ourselves. And we can understand how the system is designed how it's bad for us, and then combat that. So give me an example. Credit cards. Great example because it's so easy. It's so easy to use them. And it's getting easier and easier and easier. We, we've talked about this on the show, right? How, how, did, how did it start? How did credit cards... Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you know, I'm going to go against the system again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you look at how credit cards were invented, right, and the cultural shift that's taken place since then, right. 50, 60 years ago, nobody used credit cards, Right, That's you true, yeah. wherever you went, you paid cash. Right, if you had cash in your pocket, you bought something. If you didn't have cash, you couldn't buy anything. Right, and that's a huge problem for retailers. You have, I have this thing that you want. You want it. I have it to sell. You're okay with the price. You just didn't bring your change purse. Yeah, man, what an inconvenience. That did happen to me a lot when I was younger with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> so the Diners Club was the first, you know, retailer to think of this idea of the credit card. They said, look, we've got all these customers that come back and forth, and we know a lot of them. Like, they come in all the time, right? 
So why don't we let them set up some kind of a tab, right? Where we're tracking how much they spend. And then at the end of the month, they come in and they settle, right? And that idea bore the first consumer credit card. And since then, you know, American Express, you know, made it a really big business and then MasterCard and Visa came in and, and now it's, they're ubiquitous. Everyone's has, you know, at least three or four. It's a status <laughs> credit symbol cards. now. I think it's phenomenal how credit cards, the color of your credit card, or if the emblem is gold or whatever, is a status symbol. You you create value for yourself. I'm a good person. I'm an amazing person because my credit card has like a gray tinge to it or a black tinge to it. Therefore, I'm an amazing person because yeah. I have a black card or whatever other color. I think the real danger with credit cards is that we have to acknowledge, first of all, why they were created, not for your convenience, but for the convenience of the people that you're paying, right? Yes. And they're dangerous because when you swipe that card, it doesn't feel like you're spending money. Well, actually, I want or to take... tap it. You're right. Right. Or so, tap it. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's go that trajectory. You used to have these metal, silver things that people had to like write down and dictate. Uh, I know uh, maybe 20, 30 years ago, there was credit cards that you had this like carbon copy thing that the retailer would fill out and then like shing, 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 and like that, and the carbon copy that's would get true, out. That's yes. Right? But that's kind of, you know, it's big and cumbersome. We moved away from... And then settlement took a little while and maybe you were maxed out and you, you swiped it and now who's, get, who's paying? So now we're electronic where it was, you know, you swipe it, you just had sign, but pulling out a pen, and what if the cash, you know, the cashier doesn't have a pen? Well, that's an inconvenience. Yeah, I've now. noticed now you don't even have to use the electronic pens to type. Yeah. Correct. So let's get away from this pen thing because sometimes you don't have pens, or it doesn't write on the receipt, or it doesn't have ink. So let's get rid of the pens. Let's go to a pen, uh, and those you know you, you insert and you do uh, you type in a pen. But that's kind of slow too. So what if we get rid of the pen altogether and you just take it out and you tap it? But then what if you forget your wallet at home? So let's put it on your phone. Yeah. Because nobody leaves their house without their phone. So true. You might forget your wallet and just carry on with your day, but you would not carry on with your day if you realized your phone was missing. So let's put it on your phone. And the the premise here is it's not that we want you to just have an easier life and just so you, you know, we want to make you comfortable, Aisha. So we're going to do these things for you because we're awesome and we love you. That's not why it's done. It's done to make spending so much easier that, as Ahmed said, you don't think about it. And the cultural shift that's taking place is interesting, right? Because now if you go and you pay cash, it almost seems kind of primitive, right? Like I take out this piece does, of paper I mean, scary. from my wallet like, and like this, this somehow you know entitles me to receive goods because I give you this paper, right? And it takes so much time. Who really uses cash? Are you a drug dealer? I mean, come in, like, that's like the connotation now. If you're pulling out cash, why do you have cash? That's really strange now. But it, it, the, the great thing that, you know, for the financial industry is that credit cards allow people to spend far more than they have. And the, the danger individually that we try to address in the show is that if you've never had credit card debt before, you might not understand this problem. But if you've ever had one month where you couldn't pay off your bill in full, it is very easy for the second month to, again, not pay it off in full. And then it's easy on the third month to not pay it off in full. And then by then, it's just normal to be carrying a balance. If it was $500 in month one, and it's $550, then $600, before you know it, it's, it's 1000 And it's so easy to make that a habit. So people tend to wake up or they listen to our podcast and they email us saying, you know, $10,000 credit cards, $30,000 credit cards. You know. So what are some practical, um, I guess, steps or advice that you give to people who've emailed you and I'm sure watching our show um, who may have debt? What are some, you know, really quickly, um, one or two points that you would give? I'm a bit more extreme. So I would say with credit cards in particular, if you've ever experienced a time where you opened up your credit card statement and you were surprised by the number, you have a credit card problem, 
even Which, if you paid it off. And that's got to be, I mean, 99% of people. That's me too. I mean, I'm and feeling a little... And if that's you, if that's you, your credit card should stay at home. And if it's really bad, you shouldn't have one. Okay. I, I, I was waiting for him to get there. <laughs> Shred it. The, well, the moment you start carrying a balance without paying it off, yeah. you should not have a credit card. Yeah. If you feel like you're spending more than you otherwise would, and that's proven, by the way. There have been studies that showed yes. that people who carry credit cards spend more money than people who pay in cash. And there's studies that's that show fact. people who have... Uh, points on their credit card spend significantly more than people who do not have points on their credit card. And I won't get into that discussion today, but we rail about that as well. So if you want to spend less, you keep keep your cards at home. If you have a credit card balance that's not paid off, you cut it up. Well, I don't think, I would take it one, actually, I'm actually taking this one step more extreme than you. That's odd. Um, I don't think it's, if you want to spend less, you should leave your credit card at home. If you carry a balance on your credit card or on high interest, um, any kind of high interest consumer debt, lines of credits, even maybe uh, student loans that have rolled into lines of credits. If you have high interest debt, it's not a matter of you wanting to spend less, you need to spend less. Mm, yeah. And have you, I mean, this is very, you know, this is, I think this is real practical, but it's very intense advice for viewers, I think. Have you had people who've emailed and said, yeah, I've done this and it worked? Be honest. <laughs> So I've had people in, in my real life friends uh, who do listen to the show and, you know, whether it's debt, some people do have debt, some people don't. Um, I know one person in particular uh, went from having debt being a major point in their uh, marriage, like a very sore point in their marriage, to now having a definite plan to getting it paid off and feeling good about themselves again for the first time in a long time, that they actually know how they're going to get it done. It, it's going to take them a couple of years to, to do it. Um, so I can't say that somebody has paid off $30,000 from listening to the show. But like practical advice to help them. Yeah, at least to address the topic because uh, in our culture, we don't really talk about debt or money. Like as Muslims, we don't engage in interest. We, we try as much as possible to stay away from it. Credit cards having such an enormous interest rate, nobody wants to admit that as a Muslim who's supposed to stay away from interest, period, has a balance on a 30% credit card. Nobody wants to admit that. But the majority of our questions are exactly that. We have debt at a high interest rate. And you know there is a gap in our community where people aren't actually addressing what to do if you're in that situation. So one thing that we really try to do is we don't want to make our listeners feel bad. If you have debt and you're hearing, let's say, a message from the, the sermons talking about how people shouldn't have debt, Muslims shouldn't be engaging in interest, we know people already have that. We know you know that. We know you've heard about it. We know you feel bad. I'm not going to add to that. We're not going to make you feel worse because I know that already feels pretty terrible. What we're going to do is we're going to address this topic that nobody in our community is and actually talk about how to get out of it. We'll put on links on our uh, show. Thank you so much. We are out of time, but this was definitely a very interesting conversation. Thanks so much for coming on our show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll answer questions from you, our viewers.